sticks before you get to Texas. And there was a little um, country church. Then have screens on the window. It opened the windows, and the wasp and the dogs would come in in the summertime. But Uncle Barney preached down there. Didn't have a microphone. He didn't need one. Had this gravelly voice that you could hear out on the highway. But uh, thank God for technology because I don't have that kind of voice. <laughs> anyway, just a couple of things we need to announce today. I want to mark your calendar? Mark your calendar for September the nineteenth. Everybody say September the nineteenth. That's the third Sunday in September. Be here. We're going to be celebrating the 75th anniversary of this church. Yay. Come on, that's a good day. Yeah. Been around for 75 years, and um, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a work started by a bunch of ladies. If you want to hear the history of it, we'll probably talk about it that Sunday. But uh, the church has been through thick and thin, but we've stuck together, right? We're still touching the, touching the city and touching people and reaching folks for Christ. But be sure and be here that Sunday, September the 19th, uh, Brother Doug Fullenwater, he's a former uh, district superintendent, and uh, he married a, a local girl, <clears throat> Linda Tripp. And so he'll be here speaking that Sunday morning, and you'll enjoy Brother Doug Fullenwater. Be sure and be here with maybe some other dignitaries here as well and some awards and presentations. We're going to be doing some special music worship through the ages from the uh, from old-time hymns and accordion and guitar music all the way up through what we got now. So be sure and be here that, that time. Amen? Everybody going to be here? Now, you probably weren't expecting to hear me this morning. You were expecting to hear your pastor, and that's good. But uh, <clears throat> he called me last night. He said, I hate to spring this on you here this late, but <clears throat> I'm not feeling good. <laughs> so uh, be praying for Pastor JB because he's, uh, he's kind of puny. I think he got overheated, huh? And, of course, there's a little stomach virus going around, so he might have had a touch of that as well. But praying for him that he can be back and, and uh, working, working for the church and working for the Lord and working for Bailey's. All right? Amen. This morning, I want to read a couple of scriptures. We're going to get started here. Um, I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and, through 7, 6 and 7. It says, uh, therefore, everybody say, therefore. Now, in the Bible, when you see the word therefore, you want to pay attention and see what it's there for. That makes sense? It's a therefore. All right, therefore, I remind you to stir up. Everybody say, stir up. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say, no fear. All right, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many of you know that we all need a sound mind in these days and times? All right, I'm going to read John chapter 4, uh, 32 through 34. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Verse 33 says, did someone bring him food while we were gone? Verse 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Today we want to speak for a little short period of time. I only got about 12 pages of notes, but we're going to try to hurry through them. A short period of time, I promise not to keep you long because we're going to be talking about food. Uh, on the subject, what's cooking in your kitchen? 
what's cooking in your kitchen. But let's pray before we get started because everybody knows I need the Lord's help. Father, we love you. We just thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to come to your house, to hear your word, to worship together with fellow believers. And and we just ask you right now to uh, be with us here. Holy Spirit, flow through this place like a mighty flood, touching every heart and life. And so let the preacher come, let the teacher come, help us to say what you'd have us to say and nothing more. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to comprehend what you have for us today. Everybody say amen. Amen. Now, here's why it's important what you're cooking in your kitchen. You can only be nourished by what you eat. And you can only eat what you fix, right? Now, how many have heard the saying, you are what you eat? That's one of those Japanese people think we all smell like cows because (laughs) we eat a lot of cows. Really, they do. They smell like fish. We smell like cows to them. But uh, you are what you eat. And you're nourished by what you eat, and you can only eat what you prepare. Now, I have recently changed my eating habits. I passed a certain milestone birthday, and I had a health care professional. My insurance supplement sends a health care professional to my house once a year to do a physical examination. And so she said, hmm, you kind of need to get in shape. I said, The last time I checked in my geometry book, round is a shape. I'm in shape. Come on. Well, she suggested very strongly that I needed to change my eating habits and change my eating habits. I'm not going to say diet because that's a four-letter word. But you are what you eat. So I'm trying my best to get in shape, another shape besides round, and, and change my eating habits. But not only... Do we need to nourish our bodies correctly with the right foods? You know, lean meats and vegetables and fruit and stay away from that sugar. It's poison. But we need to nourish our spiritual self as well. Come on. You know, some of us, some of, in fact, the church as a whole, the church as a whole nowadays is very malnourished and weak because they're not eating the right thing spiritually. So today we want to examine what we're cooking in our kitchen. And I want to talk about, now there's a lot of things I could talk about as far as spiritual food is concerned. But today I just want to address five things that we need to be stirring up and cooking up on our spiritual stove. Is that okay? Everybody say, amen, we're going to talk about food. <clears throat> no, we're going to talk about five things we need to feed our spiritual selves. Okay? The first thing we need to be stirring up in our kitchen is grace. Everybody say grace. Acts 15, 10, and 11 says, So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not works. Not works. We can't work our way into heaven. Come on. It's by grace, and it's really good. Grace was God's idea. It wasn't our idea. It was his idea. So many times, though, instead of cooking up and stirring up some grace on our stove, as Christians, we stir up some guilt. If you can't say amen, say, oh, me. The enemy doesn't want you to cook up some grace because grace will empower you. Everybody say empower. Grace will empower you. But on the other hand, he wants you to cook up some guilt because you know what guilt does? It imprisons you. 
Grace empowers while guilt imprisons. So we need to be cooking up some grace. Monica read the scripture this morning, Romans 8 and 1. It says, so there is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads you to death. He goes on to talk about the law of Moses when it was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We couldn't keep the law, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, like the bodies we sinners have. And that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. Grace empowers you because it revolves around God's work, right? Guilt imprisons you because it revolves around your work. And your work, man's work cannot save you, but grace can. That's why grace empowers and guilt imprisons, right? Grace is all about what God did for us. Guilt is all about what you cannot do. So we need to be cooking us up some grace. Jesus lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died. That we may be right, that we may be in right standing with God. We may be righteous through Christ's righteousness. We're righteous through Christ Jesus, right? Who gives us grace. So how do you obtain right standing with God? How do you get in right standing with God? We get in right standing with God through grace, not guilt. Everybody nod your little head. Did you deserve the grace? No. Did I deserve the grace? No. Did God give it? Yes. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it. And there's a difference between being guilty and living in guilt. I was guilty. I was a sinner. Everyone else was guilty of sin. My guilt, though, is what qualified me for his grace. Am I making sense this morning? So I, I, I was a sinner. That's why I needed a Savior. If you're a sinner, that's why you need a Savior, because you're guilty and you need a Savior to give you that grace to wipe away that guilt, right? And, and when I come to God on his terms, his grace covers all my guilt and takes that away because it washes away my sin. Living in guilt is telling God that his grace is not enough. Think about that. Living in guilt is telling God that his grace is not enough to set you free. You cannot be... In Christ and live in guilt. They are not compatible. The only way you can flourish in Christ is found in grace. Everybody say grace. The verse said there is therefore no condemnation. No condemnation. Not just a little bit and not just every now and then and not just sometimes. But it says there's no condemnation. No guilt. For those who belong to Christ Jesus. Everybody say amen for grace. The second thing we want to talk about, and I'm going to try to hurry, is unselfishness. Unselfishness. Luke 9, 23 says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. One thing that will hinder your progress in Christ Jesus is selfishness. One thing that will hinder your progress in any relationship 
is selfishness. We live, however, in a selfish culture, right? We live in a selfish culture. Uh, they don't ever grow up. We're surrounded by selfish people. We hear selfish remarks all the time. They say, hey, I'm just looking out for number one. Uh, you heard it? I'm just looking out for number one. I'm going to get mine while the getting's good. There used to be a commercial said you only go around once in life, grab for all the gusto you can. Those are selfish statements. But what did Jesus say? He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and I'm going to give you mine. That's what he said. But the enemy, the enemy is always going to try to get some selfishness into your diet. We need to stir up unselfishness. The enemy said, but you just do you. How many of you have heard somebody say, well, I'm just going to do me, right? You just do you. Or, you know, just being your, doing you for yourself or, or, or hoarding for your family, it, 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 it always leaves you unfulfilled and empty because it's always something else you're trying to cram in or get or grab, you know? Uh, James 3.16 says, where there is jealousy and selfishness, there's also disorder. And every kind of evil. Self and selfishness puts things out of order and opens the door for every kind of evil in our lives. I, 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 believe, I believe there's a lot of Christians struggling today in their walk with Christ because of selfishness. Hey, I know sometimes I get a little selfish. I think about, you know, I, what have I done? What have I done? When do I get my, when do I get my blessing, you know? When... Come on now. I'm not the only one that feels that every now and then. You give and you give and you give and you wonder when you're going to get back. That's selfishness. We need to go what Christ said. He said to seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things. You keep your eyes on him. Keep the eyes on the creator and not his creations. And then that selfishness will go away. The attitude... And the way of Christ, this is the attitude and the way of Christ. We are his followers, his disciples. So we need to be sure unselfishness is getting cooked up and stirred up on our spiritual stove today. Third thing I want to talk about is mission. Mission. You got to get some mission into your, life, into your diet. There's, there's too many times that Christians will live life in order not to mess up Instead of living life on mission. Does that make sense? Sometimes you live in your life wondering about, I don't want to mess up, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to mess, I don't want to mess up, so I'm going to stay away from it. I want to keep from messing up. We talked about that in Sunday school class this morning, about not messing up. Too many times Christians live their life worried about messing up and not worried about the mission that they need to be on. Come on. We all need some mission in our life. The great commission that Christ gave us in Matthew 28 said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus saved you to send you. Hey, that's a catch. That's a, that's a sound bite. Jesus saved you to send you. You said, well, I'm not perfect. I have issues and I don't know everything. I'm afraid somebody's going to ask me something that I don't know. I don't have the answers for. Guess what? None of us have all the answer. And it's okay to not have all the answer. 
Jesus sent us on a mission to witness to others and to tell them what Jesus has done for us and to make sure that they know about Christ. And so you're going to never be perfect. We will never be perfect. And we will always have issues. Come on. Yeah, if you don't have any issues, my goodness, just go on to heaven because you're perfect. (laughs) We're, we're never going to be perfect. We're going to always have issues, and, and we're not going to always have the answer to every question. But we need to go anyway. We need to be on that mission anyway. We need to be fulfilling the Great Commission. And if somebody asks you a question, it's okay to say, I'm not sure. I don't know. But I'll go find out, and I'll get back with you. And that's what you do. And then you come and ask other people, and you, and you search in the Word, and you pray, and you'll find the answer. You know, It's okay to not be perfect. And I would rather mess up some on my mission than I would to be perfect and stay silent. I'd rather mess up on my mission than to be perfect and stay silent. Right? Come on. If you, if you don't mess up, you never do anything. You know? All right. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You can't walk in those good works by being still. You can't walk by being still. You got to move. You got to be in the mission. You, you have to be on the move and on a mission. God saved you to send you on a mission. The mission isn't just for the minister, the preacher, the missionary, the staff. Mission is not just for those that stand up here with a microphone and yell at you every Sunday morning. The mission is for everyone, all of those who have been born again in Christ. Amen? And, and this, this, this is what I discovered. And you have to listen carefully to this because it's kind of a tongue twister. When you start doing good, it makes you want to be better. When you start doing good, it makes you want to be better. But just being good doesn't want you to make you do better. Does that make sense? When you start doing good, it makes you want to be better. But just being good does not make you want to do better. Amen? We're on a mission. We're on the Great Commission. The fourth thing we want to talk about is bravery. You know, it takes bravery to continue to believe in the Word. It takes bravery not to give up and quit. It takes bravery to face what you have to face, to fight what you have to fight, to overcome what you have to overcome. It takes bravery to stand up and do that every day. Mark 6, if you, if you read the chap, uh, Mark 6, read the chapter when you get home. It talks about the disciples being caught up in a storm. Jesus had sent them across. He said, you go across and I'll meet you on the other side. And, and they, they were in a storm and they were scared. And Jesus came walking on the water. And they look over there and Jesus said, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And, you know, courage is not going to just fall into your lap. One day you're not just going to wake up and say, hey, I just all of a sudden got courage. Right? Courage doesn't just fall into your lap. You have to reach out and grab it. You have to reach out and take courage. Right? Everybody say amen. You got to take it. Fear is easy. It's easy to sit there and be afraid. Fear is easy. Bravery is elusive. The world is afraid. Man, all you have to do is turn on CNN or listen to the news 
or watch some of that stuff or, or open up Facebook. Look at all the garbage that's going on. The, way, the world is afraid. There's fear out there. And guess what? The media is driving it because fear sells, right? The world is afraid. The enemy would love to let your mind and your burdens and your situation create fear. The enemy wants you to be afraid because then that separates you from Christ and his grace and his love, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be afraid. Take courage because Jesus is there. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Fear is not of God. He doesn't give that to us. That's of the enemies. Look at these stories that we found in the Bible, that are found in the Bible. Look at these stories that we, we read. We all know about these. Guess what? Noah faced a flood. Uh, how fearful could that be? Moses faced the Red Sea. Joshua faced Jericho. Joseph faced a prison sentence. David faced Goliath. Daniel faced hungry lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fiery furnace, and Jesus faced the cross. They had bravery in the, and courage to face those things. It wasn't easy, but it was all possible because of bravery. Accomplishing your divine destiny and impacting the next generation will not be easy. It won't be easy, but it's possible. Because my Bible says all things are possible through Christ. It gives me strength, right? You just have to be brave. Be brave enough to believe and live it, right? The fifth thing we want to talk about is optimism. You can be an optimist and not be a person of faith. Every, every one of us knows an optimist. Those people that always have bright and sunny disposition. Sometimes you want to smack them in the face. We all know us. But you can be an optimist and not be a person of faith. But I don't see how you can be a person of faith and not be an optimist. If you're a person of faith, you have every reason to be optimistic. We have hope. Faith in God produces hope in our life. Romans 15, 13 says, May God, the source of hope, fill you with all joy. Everybody say, all joy. And peace by means of your faith in him so that your hope, everybody say hope, will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of our faith in God, our hope should always be growing. That means if our hope is growing, as our faith is growing, we should become more and more optimistic each and every day. Does that make sense? Those in Christ should be. Don't allow... Don't allow, this, this is important, listen to this. Don't allow your obstacle to talk you out of your optimism. We all face obstacles in life. Sometimes I feel like I'm one of those skiers going down through the slalom course. You're having to go, you know, here's another obstacle, go this way. You know, here's something else. Jump over the hoops. I'm going through that army obstacle course. They, you know, for some sick reason, they call it a confidence course. It's an obstacle course, <laughs> And sometimes I feel like I'm going through that, but, but I don't need to let those obstacles in my life displace my optimism. That makes sense? Because guess what? My challenge can't change God, but God can change my challenge. Come on. My challenge can't change God, but God can change my challenge. I need to be optimistic. Regardless, regardless, regardless of what you're facing today, you have a reason to be optimistic 
Let's look at a few reasons to be optimistic. They can be found in the Word. It's time to get excited and be optimistic. My, the Bible says all things are possible for those who believe. My Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. It says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I can think a lot. I can think of a lot of things. But my Bible said God can do more than what I can think of. If God didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God causes everything, everybody say everything, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And here's a good one. If God be for us, who can be against us? No one. No one. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, if you aren't actively stirring up some optimism in your life, then the world is going to be passively putting negativity into your life. You have to aggressively stir up your optimism or the world will just passively implant negative, right? Negativity. Put your faith in God every day and just watch your hope grow. Put your faith in God every day and watch your hope grow. Now, I don't know what you're going to be stirring up on your ki- in your kitchen. I don't know what you're going to be stirring up on your stove. I don't know what you're going to be cooking up on your kitchen. But this week, in my kitchen, I'm going to be cooking up some gumbo. This week, in my kitchen, I'm going to cook up gumbo. Everybody needs a good gumbo. You can't go wrong with a good gumbo. Those are five things I want you to think about this week that we need to stir up in our Christian walk for our spiritual appetite. That make sense? One last verse. John 4, 34 says, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Your spiritual nourishment comes from doing the will of God and finishing his work. Everybody say amen. amen. Do you want to stir up good spiritual things? Want to stir up good spiritual things in your life? Feed your spirit those good things? Those are just five things in the Bible. There's lots of other things that we could talk about, lots of other things we could do. I just like gumbo. So let's stand together and let's pray. And this week I want you to think about every day stirring up those things in our life so that we have a good pot of gumbo in our spiritual life, okay? Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We love you.